Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast with the headlines of the day from our correspondents around the world. I'm Zhu Tianlu. Coming up in this edition. Israel's president has said his country is ready for another humanitarian ceasefire if more hostages can be released. Russia has dismissed a new round of sanctions imposed by the European Union, saying the bloc is exhausting itself. Moscow has also retaliated with its own ban on EU personnel. And China has completed search and rescue efforts in quake-hit Gansu province and shifted to treating the injured and resettling the homeless. We begin in the Middle East. Hamas leader Ismail Haniyeh has arrived in Cairo for talks on a possible ceasefire in Gaza. This comes after Israeli President Isaac Herzog said his country was ready for another truce in exchange for the release of hostages. Philip Crowther with the Associated Press reports. We've heard from Israel's president, Isaac Herzog. Now, he's not talking about an end to the war in the Gaza Strip in the slightest. That is what Hamas wants. Hamas also wants the release of Palestinian prisoners from Israeli jails for there even to be a possibility of a prisoner exchange. The diplomatic pressure for there to be a ceasefire, well, that has increased over recent days. Some of Israel's closest European allies, for example, calling for a ceasefire. There is no let-off in Israel's military campaign, no signs of a new phase, the likes of which had been discussed by U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin during a trip to Tel Aviv, no signs of a ceasefire on the ground. More airstrikes in the north uh, on the Jabalia refugee camp, for example, but also an Israeli ground raid on one of the last functioning hospitals in the north of the Gaza Strip. And in the south, well, further attacks on the town of Rafah, which is right there on the border with Egypt and which the Israeli military had deemed safe, essentially, for Palestinian civilians. It was an area that it had encouraged Palestinians to evacuate to. Obviously, that is not a safe place right now either. That was Philip Crowther on the Israel-Palestine conflict. Yemen's Houthi group says the international coalition formed by the U.S. in the Red Sea is part of the aggression against the Palestinian people. It added that the coalition contradicts international law. This came after the U.S. launched a multinational operation that it said is aiming to safeguard maritime navigation in the Red Sea. Since last month, the Houthis have fired drones and missiles at international vessels sailing through the Red Sea, forcing major shipping companies to reroute. The militant group said those were in response to Israel's assault on Gaza. The White House has urged the group to stop its attack, saying Washington and its partners will continue to protect ships from being targeted. Adele El Marouki reports. The Suez Canal is one of Egypt's main sources of national income and foreign currency reserves. This year, its revenues reached a record 9.4 billion US dollars. The route captures about 12% of the volume of world trade. That's over one trillion worth of goods per annum. And the Suez Canal Authority plans to pass the 15% mark within two years. Egyptian authorities says they are closely monitoring the impact of tension in the Red Sea following the attacks by Yemen's Houthis on vessels in the southern part of the basin. Four of the world's largest shipping companies, which make up about 50% of the world's vessels, have said they're temporarily pausing navigation in the Red Sea. So far, the Suez Canal Authority says only 55 vessels in total have avoided the route in the past month. Out of more 2,000 ships, the figure is insignificant. But due to the increase in Red Sea attacks, more shipping firms are now choosing the longer path around Africa to connect Asia with Europe. 
This is bad news for the global supply chain as alternative routes will add 10 to 14 days to standard shipping time. And if this pause in navigation stretches into the long term, the toll on the Suez Canal is only expected to grow. That was Adele El Maruki in Cairo. In Europe, Russia says it would have no difficulty avoiding the impact arising from the latest round of EU economic sanctions. The new sanctions package mainly highlights a ban on diamond imports from Russia, which is by far the world's biggest diamond producer by volume. Dasha Chinishova has more. Moscow was expecting the 12th package of the EU sanctions against Russia and the Kremlin spokesman has uh, said that the sanctions potential of the European Union is exhausting itself given what sanctions have been introduced. Now when you look at this package it's particularly uh, focusing on the ban on the imports of Russian diamonds uh, that are coming from the mining in Russia and Russia's Alorosa company in particular. We understand that with regard to that Moscow says it can circumvent those sanctions by that meaning of course that uh, Russia used to use Antwerp the city uh, in Belgium as the main getaway to the um, diamond world this is where those diamonds were sold to India primarily because we understand that most of the diamonds are being polished and cut in India. So now from the perspective here in Moscow, Moscow will be using other trade uh, diamond brokers and other diamond exchanges instead of those in Europe turning to the UAE or Israel for instance. Uh, with uh, regard to other sanctions, we understand they are also focusing on circumventing, on, on uh, tightening the control on the, ta- on the sanctions implementation. Uh, not to allow Russia to circumvent. This is with regards to the cap on Russian oil, uh, energy, uh, oil and uh, gas uh, resources. With regard to that, Moscow has long been saying that it is not going to sell its energy resources at this mechanism of price cap. So certainly Russia is certain that it can find the ways to circumvent those sanctions. But particularly Moscow is saying that uh, in any situation, the Russian economy has shown some growth in 2023 instead of crypto as it was expected. That was Dasha Chinshova reporting. In China, officials say traffic on all rural highways leading to earthquake-damaged areas has resumed following a 6.2-magnitude tremor in northwest China. Power is back on at all affected regions. More than 130 people in Gansu and Qinghai provinces are dead in the earthquake that occurred at midnight Monday. All those injured are receiving treatment in hospitals. Gansu's provincial authorities say the focus will now shift to helping the injured and the displaced. Xu Xingcheng earlier filed this report in Gansu. I am standing right outside of the People's Hospital of Lingxia in the Lingxia Town Prefecture where uh, Jishishan County is located at. That's the epicenter for the 6.2 magnitude earthquake. And uh, as we have learned now, so the road transport has uh, has come back to a full recovery, and in those uh, resettle- resettlement shelters, there are heaters and hot food being served. In Gansu, there are some 600 people wounded, and all, a lot of the more severe wounded uh, personnel are being treated in the hospital right behind me. Actually, the National Research and uh, Rescue Team uh, expert have told us that the, the canvas mission has come to a close, actually. And experts are saying, because it's so cold right here in northwestern China's Gansu province, and right now the local temperature is 14 degrees below zero Celsius. But still, three major tasks remain. First, 
to maintain these resettlement shelters, keep people warm and with the place with the roof on top and hot meal served and then rebuilding the community but most important again the extremely cold weather here to prevent hypothermia the the medical staffs and the rescue team are still in town and they are trying to help locals to come back to their normal life and from the neighboring Qinghai province according to the red Cross Society of China. They also have teams over there and they've set up similar resettlement shelters. That was Shi Xingchen on measures to help the earthquake affected people in northwest China. Moving to Africa, Guinea's government is warning the people to brace for power cuts after a blast at an oil terminal destroyed fuel tanks. The explosion in the capital, Conakry, killed at least 14 people and injured nearly 200. The government says 13 fuel storage tanks are out of service. Most of Guinea's power plants run on diesel fuel. In the face of a fuel shortage, black market prices have reportedly jumped one and a half times. Joy Kiruki Juma has more. Monday's huge explosion and fire in Kalum, Conakry's administrative and business district, destroyed several buildings. It blew out windows of nearby homes and forced hundreds to flee for their lives. Authorities shut down schools and public places in the Guinean capital. But by Monday afternoon, firefighters had largely contained the blaze. Upon arrival, we immediately went straight to the fire. Fortunately, the situation is under control and we have successfully evacuated nearby residents. As I speak, all necessary measures have been taken to effectively combat the fire. I urge all citizens of Kalum district and beyond to remain calm and disciplined to facilitate the work of emergency services. The Guinean authorities say countries including Senegal and Mali were sending medical and safety teams to assist emergency crews attending to those affected. The government of Guinea says it will fully cater for the treatment of the injured. At the People's Palace, we centralized all the information we collect including the number of deaths, injuries, and victim families. The Minister for Territorial Administrations has requested that we register all the victims who require assistance. This process is currently underway. The incident has raised fears that there could be a major fuel supply disruption across the West African nation, as imported refined products are mostly stored at the depot in Conakry before being distributed elsewhere. That was Joy Kiruki-Juma on the aftermath of the deadly oil terminal blast in Guinea. Finally, in North America, Mexico is unhappy about a new controversial immigration law that will take effect this coming March in the U.S. state of Texas. It gives police their sweeping enforcement powers. The law would allow Texas state police to arrest immigrants who enter Texas without proper documentation, a crime punishable by up to six months in jail. Frank Contreras reports from Mexico City. The president of Mexico is rejecting an immigration move by the U.S. state of Texas, which he says will result in separating families and racial profiling. Biden's deliberate inaction 
A bill signed into law on Monday by the governor of Texas will allow police to arrest any undocumented immigrants who enter the state without authorization. At a news conference on Tuesday, Mexico's president said the Foreign Relations Ministry will file a legal challenge in the judiciary system of the United States, stating Mexico's opposition to the law signed by the Texas governor on grounds it violates human rights. He will lose sympathy because in Texas there are many Mexicans, many migrants. He forgets that Texas was part of Mexico, like 10 states in the United States. He forgets that there are 40 million Mexicans in the United States. And he forgets that his great nation was consolidated and strengthened thanks to the migrants of the world. The year 2023 saw record numbers of migrants from Latin America and other parts of the world attempting to enter the United States. Along with empowering state police with immigration enforcement, the new law in Texas would give judges authority to order migrants to leave the country. Many could be deported to Mexico. Legal experts say by taking on law enforcement of the immigration issue, Texas is forcing the hand of the federal government of the United States. Observers say the Texas law becomes another test case in the U.S. to see how far states can go to enforce immigration laws. The move reminds legal observers of a similar law in 2010 by Arizona that was struck down by the U.S. Supreme Court. Mexico's government agrees with the Biden administration that only the federal government of the United States holds responsibility when it comes to immigration enforcement. That was Frank Contreras in Mexico City. Recapping today's headlines. Israel's president has said his country is ready for another humanitarian ceasefire if more hostages can be released. Russia has dismissed a new round of sanctions imposed by the European Union and slapped its own ban on EU personnel. And China has completed search and rescue efforts in quake-hit Gansu province and shifted to treating the injured and resettling the homeless. That's it for this edition of The Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Zhu Tianlu. Thank you for listening.